Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. I hope your Monday is off to a good start here. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and so glad to welcome you to this hour of The Inner Life, uh, our daily hour set aside here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app, where we try and understand how God might be working in our lives, how God might be speaking to us, an hour of spiritual direction here. And uh, today, as we begin the program, have you ever visited the state capitol building in the state where you live, in your state? Of the different places that I've lived around the country, I visited three different state capitol buildings. The first one, this was when I was a teenager, and then I visited a couple times after that, but it was in Idaho. It's located in Boise, and it has that classic look with the dome in the center flanked by the wings of the building on either side. Also outside of the Idaho State Capitol building, there's a replica of the Liberty Bell. It's without the crack, but it sits right outside the building there at the base of the stairs that go up to the door. And I've actually rung that bell. I don't know if you're supposed to, but I have rung it, and it's quite loud. It uh, it can be heard up and down the city blocks there in downtown Boise. I've also been to the Wisconsin State Capitol building. It also has that classic dome on top, but instead of only two wings coming out the sides of the building. It actually has four. It kind of looks like an X. And it's there down in downtown Madison. It's on an isthmus, this strip of land that goes between some lakes. So if you go up on the roof of the Capitol, you get a look out at the lakes on either side to the northwest or to the southeast there. The third Capitol building I visited is in downtown Salem, Oregon. And I think this building is the most memorable, the most unique looking. Instead of that classic rounded dome on top, its dome looks more like a cylinder. It has straight sides going up and then it has a flat kind of top instead of the rounded top. And up on top of that cylinder, that cylindrical dome, there's a 22-foot tall statue of a man, an Oregon pioneer. And he's standing there with an axe in one hand, kind of down by his side. The other hand is holding this tarp that's thrown over his back, over his shoulder. Uh, he's holding onto that with the other hand. And this statue is, it's several tons. It's very, very heavy. It's made of bronze. But the outside of it, it's covered in this thin layer of 23 karat gold. And so if you are driving in downtown Salem and you pass by the Capitol building, on a summer day when the sun is shining, that golden statue, it just shines so brilliantly up there on top of the, the Oregon State Capitol building. 23 carats. Now, that's one carat shy from being completely pure at 24 carats gold, right? And I always remember 
seeing advertisements for different golden jewelry. Uh, I also remember, you know, none of them would ever be 24 carats. It was always, you know, 14 or 18 carat gold. Sometimes if it was expensive, it'd be 22 carat gold. But I also remember gold being the focus in these old movies I'd watch with my dad where maybe there'd be this miner and he'd be out maybe digging for gold or panning for gold and he'd find a gold nugget and they'd bite into it. Do you remember seeing that in those old movies? Bite into it to see how soft it was, if it would leave a tooth imprint. And if it did leave that imprint, well, that miner, he'd be whooping and hollering all over the place, get all excited because he had this pure gold nugget. And even now, if you buy a piece of jewelry, the more pure those precious metals are, well, the greater the value. And that doesn't only go for precious metals. If you think of animals, of course, if you have a purebred animal, most of the time, they're going to cost more for you to purchase them as a pet. And if you have the lineage, the the family history of that pet, they might even have papers. They might be pedigreed. And if you're going to race horses, this brings extreme value to the animal and their potential as they grow older. Same with dogs. If you want to train a dog for dog shows, those pedigree papers, the purity of the breeding, it's so important to show for that animal. Now, when it comes to our spiritual life, purity, it also has extreme value for us. But we live in a world that's been trying to tell us over the last several decades, I mean, beyond that, but especially these last several decades, They've been trying to tell us that interior, interior purity is not important. You don't need it. And we're now living with some of the consequences of a culture that has forsaken purity. Women, well, and men too, but especially women, are objectified as much, if not more than ever. Pornography is huge business, but it's selling a lie in place of true intimacy and true love and true friendship. We also see abortion that's used as a means of regular birth control when a man and woman are not interested in marriage as the foundation and the prerequisite for sexual union. That's the consequence of living in a culture that says we do not need purity. But it's not too late for us to reclaim this valuable virtue of purity And while we need to be aware of the negative side, the sin, the temptation of lust, I think it's important that we don't only look at the negative. It's important for us to have a proper understanding of the good, of the way God designed it, human sexuality, relationships, so that we can enter into these areas the way that God designed for us to to be in them, to accept them. So today we want to spend the hour talking about how we can embrace and how we can grow in purity and in chastity. And I'm very glad to welcome back to the program a regular voice here on The Inner Life, Father Eric Nielsen. Father Eric is a priest in the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin, and he's the pastor of the St. Paul University Catholic Center on the campus of the University of Wisconsin there in Madison. Father Eric, welcome back to The Inner Life. Glad to have you here today. Well, Josh, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, and so, uh, Capitol Building, you ever been to the building there in, in uh, Madison? Oh, yeah, all the time. It's uh, fun. I've, you know, I used to live um, blocks from the 
nation's capital, which is a very beautiful capital. But uh, I thought Wisconsin's is uh, very close to the nation's capital in its beauty, slightly smaller. But the great thing about the uh, Wisconsin capital is it's very accessible. You can just go in there and, and walk all over it. And it's got marble in there from, I think, all 50, or granted from all 50 states. And it's just a very, very beautiful, well-done building. Like you say, it sits right on the top of a hill there overlooking an, is- in an isthmus, overlooking two lakes. So it's, uh, it really is the center of Madison. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's uh, when you walk especially there into the entryway, it's also uh, just kind of breathtaking, that, that first view that you get of that open area under the dome. Um, the other thing I remember there, too, it's the Badger State, and they've got a little badger <laughs> that ends up, um, a, a little statue of a badger that kind of uh, pokes out of one of the walls there in that open area when you first walk yeah. in. I thought it'd be a great basilica, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I could see that. Well, and boy, talk about being in the center of uh, everything that's happening there. That'd be a great place for it. Um, God in the center of the city there. Well, so Father, uh, purity and chastity. Um, both of these things, you know, they share a lot of things in common, but I kind of think of them like two sides of the same coin. Can you maybe just so we define terms here at the beginning, give us a better understanding of what we mean when we talk about chastity and purity? Yeah, I think purity, to tell you the truth, in its essence, purity is the ability to um, see with a pure heart and to see things as they really exist. And so we can talk about impure motives, for instance. You know, like I go to this party not because I want to make the guest happy, but you know, because I want to show off my new suit. You know, I go there with impure motives. So purity is something that touches, um, you know, more than just sexual impurity, right? Sexual impurity is just one way to be impure. Because with sexual impurity, my motives are not pure. I'm, my, I'm using your body for my delight rather than engaging this act in order to bring about a greater um, love between the two of us and a child, right? So, you know, the sexual act requires permanence and it requires the ability to give yourself completely to that person. And if you're not giving yourself completely to that person in marriage, well, then it's it's not pure because your motives are mixed. There's a certain desire to love there and a certain desire to have unity, but you're really engaging it for your own, you know, personal pleasure. And you can never use a person's body just, you know, for your as an object for your personal pleasure. You know, person can never be, be used. So that, that's what purity is. And so we're always looking for purity, even if we uh, don't struggle with that particular, um, you know, desire. We still need that pure motives in the money we spend and the work that we do and things like that. And then chastity, obviously, is the ability to regulate one's sexual desire so that it's always used appropriately. So the chaste, a married man, you know, has relations only with his wife um, at appropriate times in a way that's beneficial to both himself and his wife. Um, so that would be chastity within marriage. And obviously chastity with, with a single person is um, controls that sexual desire, but if they're dating, you know, they would put themselves in situations where they might fall in love and um, pursue a marriage. And a person who has committed themselves to celibacy as in a priest or even a lay person commit themselves to celibacy, would even take a step further back and say, I'm not going to put myself in a situation where I would um, might fall in love with somebody. 
since I just have to, I've, I've committed myself to stay single for the glory of God. So chastity for a priest, for instance, would, in a certain sense, not going out to dinner alone with a woman, you know, whereas two unmarried people doing that would be quite natural. But for a priest to have, you know, a, a glass of wine at a nice restaurant with a woman his age would, in a certain sense, be unchaste, you know, because he's moving beyond the appropriate boundaries that are set for him as a committed celibate person in the world. Well, and as you're talking about this too, you, 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 there, there's the celibate side of things that you just addressed. But I'd like to go back to what you said about you know if there's a young person who's dating, that there is that call to chastity in their life. But before even that, you talked about chastity that has to be lived out in marriage. And so, you know, I think that's a really important point to maybe emphasize here that chastity is not something that you just live out before marriage, and then once you enter into marriage, there's no more requirement, there's nothing, uh, you know, that's asked of you in this realm. No, quite the contrary. We're all called to live chastely, regardless of whether we're married, we're single, we're young, we're old, we all need to live out this virtue. Yeah, the, the reason that we no longer have chastity among single people is that it first broke down amongst married people. So when you look at... Um, you know, married people, first of all, you know, infidelity just leads to unchastity. But the introduction of contraception is a type of um, impurity, unchastity, that just broke down chastity within marriage. In other words, I want to have access to the sexual act, um, regardless of the need to respect its ability to give forth um, progeny. And what that did is it introduced... Um, a lack of sexual control, if you will, within within marriage. And once couples started using contraception, no longer having that control of their own sexual desires, um, they lost the ability to regulate their children's sexual desires. Um, it pretty much became, you know, do what you want, just don't get pregnant, right? And so chastity, chastity in our culture means not getting pregnant. You know, that's pregnancy is kind of a disease. It's always funny when people get pregnant um, out of marriage, out of wedlock these days, they're, they're, they're exceedingly embarrassed, right? How could you do that? And um, whereas they're bragging about their sexual exploits, you know, a couple months previously. Right, so right. So that's, 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 you're right. We've got to start with chastity within within the marriage, the marriage bond. Well, and let's open up the phone lines here, um, because I know this is an area that a lot of people struggle with, Father, and so maybe you're listening, and this is something that is a struggle for you, and you'd like to call in and talk with Father Eric Nielsen, our spiritual director today, our studio line here to join the program, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Maybe you've had some success in growing in purity, growing in chastity. What have you done in your life? to help you remain chaste in your relationships? And how have you been able to live out that virtue of chastity in the midst of a culture that really says it's not important, it's not needed? Um, how about that area of purity? What are some things that you've done in your life to help you grow in purity, in purity of heart that Father Eric was talking about? 888 888-914-9149. Uh, Father, as you're talking about this too, as we talk about chastity, it, it, 
it seems that you could potentially remain chaste, you know, not engage in any sort of physical sexual activity while not necessarily having a true interior purity. You know, you could have impure thoughts, you could let your mind linger on lustful temptations, even though you don't necessarily act on those thoughts or those temptations. On the other hand, it would appear to me at least to be very difficult to have interior purity but then to behave in an unchaste manner. You know, I, I, I mean, I suppose technically it might be possible, but it would seem very unlikely to me. So does that make our focus on purity maybe the more essential aspect of what we should go for here if we want to, if we want to remain chaste? If we have that purity inside us, we can't help but living chastely? Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're if you have a pure heart, it's impossible for you to, to commit an unchaste action, you know, because all 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 sin, you know, starts in the heart and it's 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 given birth in the heart. So if if you have a pure heart, you're just you're just not going to commit anything impure. You're just, it's just impossible. Look at Maria Gretti; she just had a pure heart. Um, I would say though that um, if you have impurity in your heart, um, you, you're going if if you have to make a distinction, I think. It's a very important distinction so people don't get overly scrupulous. Is that, you know, our desire for the sexual act is is a normal desire, and it's, it was sure. cut loose at original sin, right? So we no longer have the integrity of being to have those feelings completely under control so that they're only given to us at the appropriate time with the appropriate person. So we lost that integrity so that these feelings just bottled up all over the place. Well, they bubble up, and they're they're not sins in themselves. Um, they're, they're the, um, the, the, if you will, they're the tinder of sin, you know. And so they're ready to catch fire, but they're not sin. So they only become sin when we engage them in some action, either with another person or with ourself. Obviously, looking at pornography would be engaging in them because you're actually doing an action. You're looking at pornography. Mostly what people tend to do that are struggling with this is they take their will, take some pleasure in the um, some pleasure in the temptation that they're feeling, even though they're not giving themselves over to it completely. You know, so that wouldn't be a serious sin, but it'd be a venial sin to the extent that you're taking some pleasure in it as long as you're not, you know, actively trying to uh, maximize the pleasure of the thought that you're having. And sometimes people's bodies just react, you know, there's a kind of a vegetative response, you know, a young man sitting next to a girl and she holds his hand suddenly can, you know, have feelings he wasn't expecting, right? And so, you know, these things just bubble up within us and we don't have a ton of control over them. Well, and there should be, especially for a couple that is engaged or, you know, married, <laughs> there needs to be that attraction. So, again, it, it's it's not like all of that's bad. That's actually a really good thing. It's just, you know, trying to understand it the way that God designed for us to enter into those relationships so that we practice them in the way that's going to be the healthiest and most beneficial for us uh, not just outwardly, but interiorly as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. When you look, when you look at sexual attraction too, when you look at the sexual attraction between a man and a woman, it's deeper than just the desire for sexual activity. You right. know, that desire to be complemented by the opposite sex and the desire for the opposite sex. You know, it, it, it lies deeper. You know, than than that desire for the sexual act. 
And it wasn't uncommon in more pure ages that, you know, a young woman and even a young man would be attracted to each other as man and woman without having even experienced, if you will, that, that sexual desire. It might just, you know, come up to them once they're married. Now, that's probably not happening at all in these days, right? And um, so you're right. It, it is a very a very natural desire, which is why when people are dating, um, I'm always, you know, the they say, well, we're doing our boundaries. Well, yeah, well, and I'll always ask the students, well, you know, what are your boundaries? Well, we don't do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, well, you know, are you alone together in a room together? Are you alone together in a room? They say, yes, Father. I say, well, good luck with, X, with the boundaries X, Y, and Z. <laughs> because, uh-huh. you know, the boundaries have to be not being alone in a room together. Because, yeah. you know, once you're alone with two people that are attractive and attracted to each other, you know, it's, it's only a matter of time before that emotional intensity is going to um, bear fruit in some physical activity. So, you yeah. know, we got to get back to that. We're, we're just so far away from that as a culture. But, uh, you know, I remember somebody telling me in the 1800s still in Sicily or even, part, even in the early 1900s, if a young man and woman left the village for over three hours by themselves they made them get married when they returned you know <laughs> so somehow we got you know sh- chaperoning people is just understood um and we're just I'm, I'm always amazed at parents that you know oh you know that you know their 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 boyfriend and girlfriend their their son or their daughter is going like on a three-week week trip through um you know europe with their girlfriend like oh they're good kids <laughs> You know, you're right. They are good kids, but <laughs> and that's a honeymoon that's going to lead to, to, you know, more more than one serious sin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Father Eric Nielsen is our spiritual director here on the Inner Life. As we talk about how we can grow in purity, how we can grow in chastity. And also taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. What are some ways that you have been able to, in your life, grow in purity, grow in chastity? Uh, what are some things that you've put in place to help cultivate these virtues? Um, what helps you avoid distractions and temptations that maybe get in the way of your purity? Maybe you're struggling with remaining pure, remaining chaste right now. You'd like some advice, some insight, some encouragement. That's why Father Eric is here. Again, the phone number, 888-914-9149. Coming up next, uh, let's talk, Father, about some practical ways that we can grow in purity and maybe go back and look at what Jesus says in the Beatitudes about the pure of heart. We'll talk about that next coming up here on The Inner Life. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and I'm joined by our spiritual director, Father Eric Nielsen, a priest in the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin, pastor of the St. Paul University Catholic Center on the campus of the University of Wisconsin in Madison, talking today about purity and chastity, how we can grow in those areas in our life so that we can stay strong against a culture that really doesn't want to embrace either of those, either purity or chastity. What are some ways that you've been able to grow in those areas in your life? Maybe you're struggling 
impurity. Maybe you're struggling to remain chaste and you'd like some advice, some encouragement. You can call in and talk with Father Eric Nielsen. 888-914-9149 is the phone number. 888-914-9149. Or you can email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Father Eric, I mentioned before the break, um, you know, let's look at what Jesus himself says about purity. And when I think of purity and what Jesus says, I go back to the Beatitudes, where one of those, it's, uh, he says, blessed are the pure of heart or the clean of heart, for they shall see God. When we hear that phrase, pure of heart, what do you think are some practical ways that we really can try and grow in purity? Yeah, so the first thing we have to realize is how essential purity is. Without purity, you, you will not see God. And so much so, without purity, it's, it will be very difficult for you to enter into an intimate relationship with God. Um, you will be able to pray, and God will um, give you grace and will talk to you from time to time, or however we experience that. But without purity, we will not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and will not have the charity in our heart that is a gift from the Holy Spirit in order to have faithful, um, intimate um, contact with the divine. So purity is essential to our spiritual life. It's essential to our growth in holiness. And it is a plague upon the earth because most people are dragged to hell through sins of impurity. And because it's such an easy way for people to um, give up on their love of God. And so it does rob us of our love of God. So that's the first thing we want to meditate on is just the essential necessity for the gift of purity. You know, whatever it takes for you to get there, you want to do it. Um, and you can start. And the other thing, too, is purity. Purity is related to humility. Those two virtues go hand in hand. And if we're falling into impurity, no matter how bad we may think about ourselves, there is a little secret pride that we have somewhere that's getting in the way of our purity. So God allows people who are proud in certain ways to fall into impurity in order to humble them. So we want to ask for both of those virtues constantly through saying the rosary when we go to Mass. Lord, please increase my humility. Please give me the grace of purity. Because if we're honest and we look into our hearts, we don't really want to be pure. We're kind of like um, St. Augustine, Lord, make me chaste, but not yet. You know, there's something in our heart that's holding on to it. So just, Lord, give me the grace to desire a gift of purity. So it starts with prayer. And I recommend, it's an ancient custom in the church, always to get on your knees before you go to bed and say three Hail Mary specifically for purity. Um, it won't be enough prayer but it'll be a great start and it'll start to leverage you into more things that you need to do. And then the rosary is a great effect of, has great effect in this too, to say the rosary every day. Also, you have to learn how to mortify the flesh because sins of impurity have to do with the, the you know, the concupiscence of the flesh, the desires to give our, you know, our flesh joy. And so just the ability to get up on time with the alarm clock, maybe fast on Fridays, take a cold shower, all these things kind of help us mortify the flesh. If you go into a meal and have a half a bottle of wine and eat everything that you want to eat and load up on the on the on the dessert, 
it's going to be difficult for you to maintain a life of purity. You know, at the same time, yeah. for a lot of people, for a lot of people, there just might be some psychological blocks, some wounds from childhood, some insecurities, some emotional difficulty, and then sins of impurity are just ways to deal with that. You know, so I, I turn to these sins as, as a coping mechanism because of these scars that I have that need to be worked out through, um, you know, good counseling. So that's that's another thing that has to be worked on. But if we pray, you know, we'll slowly be led into the into the right path we should walk. As you're talking about this, you know, that there has to be some of that self-denial, that mortification. Um, we need to pray for humility. You're talking about kind of two different aspects. You're talking about the discipline that we exercise on our own, as well as we're asking for God. We're, we're showing that reliance on Him that we grow in these areas. How do we know where that balance is of what I should be doing on my own? How much, you know, how much discipline will it take on my part versus reliance on God? Not that the two are exclusive, but just how, how do I know where the meeting of those two yes, yes. things so those coming two together are, is? Yeah, those two are. They're, they're two different paths that both need to be maximized. So, in other words, you want to pray as much as you need to pray. Um, you've got work you have to do and responsibilities that you have. And just like, you know, exercise, there's only so much exercise a person can do before it becomes counterproductive, right? Um, you know, a, a, a weight, somebody who's really in good shape can, you know, train six hours a day. But there comes to a point to anybody where too much training is bad for you. It's the same with prayer. If you're not really used to prayer, you know, too much prayer can kind of get in the way. So you want to pray as much as you're capable of praying and still fulfill your responsibilities and not be over, not feel like you're being crushed by, you know, your prayer obligations. And so that requires a spiritual director. And then what, what then, so besides begging God for these virtues, you know, as St. Um, Ignatius said, you know, pray as if it all depends on you and act, or pray as if it all depends on God, act as if it all depends on you. I mean, you do, and again, you're going to need some guidance on this because you could do things that are counterproductive. You know, whatever it takes. If you got to get rid of the cell phone, um, if you got to start fasting on bread and water every Friday, um, if you have to change your job, um, if you, you know, whatever it takes for you to live a life. If you of need purity, to get out of some friendships that are going to yeah. lead you in where areas you shouldn't straight. be going, sure. Yeah, exactly. You know, and now you're not going to just do all these things all at once. You know, that'd be too radical. But I mean, maybe you could. Maybe that would make you the, the next Saint Augustine. But, you know, with, with some counsel or some advice, you, you want to keep upping what it is that you do in, until you get a grip on it. And the other thing, too, that you got to realize is that your, your growth in prayer, sometimes people make a mistake. And, you know, my, my, my goal is to battle, is to, you know, is to have purity. Your goal isn't to have purity. You've got to realize your goal is to have intimacy with our Lord Jesus Christ. And so you've got to keep that as the goal. My goal, Jesus, is to know you, to love you, and to serve you with a pure heart. And so, cause that's, so keep your eye on the prize and keep your eye on the goal. And one way is you know, just having more charitable relationships with other people really helps in purity. A lot of times people fall into purity just because they're lonely and you know, feel rejected. You know, and just volunteering at places and getting your mind off yourself and doing things with other people um, really helps a lot. You know, going out in nature and just having your hands in the dirt, 
and you know just giving up a life you know we live in a world where everything exists in our in our mind and we we lose touch with our bodies so you know the goal is love and um the mercy of god and knowing that love and mercy and so we want to see our, our desire for purity is to get rid of a block that's getting in the way of that relationship with Jesus. Our spiritual director, again, Father Eric Nielsen, a priest in the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin, and talking about purity and chastity today, and what are some ways that you've been able to grow in those areas so that ultimately you do have that relationship, that deeper relationship with Christ, just as Father Eric was saying. Uh, maybe it's something that you struggle with right now, remaining pure, remaining chaste in your life, and you'd like some advice, some insight from Father Eric. Our studio line to call in and join the program is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father, we've got Nancy who's calling in from Minneapolis. Nancy, welcome to The Inner Life. Hi, thanks for taking my call. You bet. Go right ahead. You're on the air with Father Eric. Hi, so my question is about, um, you know, chastity within marriage. So for a couple who's, say, practicing NFP because they're um, trying to avoid, you know, conceiving at this Mm -hmm. point in time, already usually, that usually comes from a place of being very overwhelmed, stressed, maybe there's many other children or whatever. It's not not a place of strength, right, when you're making that decision because we don't take that lightly. And so for those couples, you know, NFP is, you learn in NFP class, oh, it's five days a month that you have to abstain. Well, typically it's a lot. It's a lot more yeah, than that's that. Yeah, that's not and quite true. And usable <laughs> days per month. Right. And, um, and so it, what, what it can feel like in many people that I've talked with is it, it feels like this massive other burden on top of what you're already in a bad spot. This adds such a burden to try to maintain this chastity within your marriage and when you can't, you don't, you can't connect with your spouse in this way that's very effective and quick, um, you know, in that way. And so people say, well, go on dates or do other things to kind of keep that relationship strong. But it's hard to find the time for that kind of thing. Um, so I guess my question is, you know, what are your tips for growing chastity in marriage in a way that's doable, that isn't just some big elaborate plan? Because when you're doing NFE, you're already not not functioning at your best, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it could be. I mean, the thing that I, I you know, yeah, that's a, it's a great, uh, Nancy, it's a great question. And um, lately, you know, because I deal with college kids, right? And so they have a, they have a different struggle. And how many kids should you have? And I, my latest thing is, you know, kids are kind of like having a party on a pontoon boat. You know, well, if, if, if you've got a big pontoon boat, you can have a lot of kids. If you've got a small pontoon, and you've got a big pontoon boat with a big engine, and the and the lake is placid and calm, you can have put a lot. You can have a big part in that pontoon boat. If you have a small pontoon boat and the waves are really high, well, you know, three people is max, right? And so every every family has different situations, as you alluded to, Nancy, and as you rightly pointed out, sometimes you're on NFP because there's other stressors going on, you know, that probably are no fault of the couple that are just there, and you and the thing is, you're looking for that assurances. Um, I think, first of all, you've you got to really support on the fact that you're doing something very beautiful for your marriage and for your children. If you just see it as a no, you're going to start to feel sorry for yourself, and it's going to be depressing. You have to really look at it and say, look, God wants me to be a saint. This is, you know, saying, you know, abstaining right now is going to make me, is going to make me, whole, is going to make me holier, 
And it's because I'm going to become holier. This is going to be better for my husband. And it's going to be better for for my children. Um, in fact, I had, a, I had a, a father confess to me that once he had a number of kids and he started using FP, he found himself a lot better parent because he was more in control of his emotions <laughs> because NFP taught him to be more in control. When he first got married, it, you know, they just were having relations whenever. And now he says, now I've, I've really, it's really taught me how to have a further grip on my desires, my feelings. And so now I discipline with, you know, with more self-control and, and, and um, just with more love. So you just got to see that, first of all, this is helping you. And then secondly, this is an opportunity for you to deepen your life of prayer and a, and a reliance on Jesus. And it's like, all right, Lord, I used to have this experience with my husband for the joy and comfort that I needed to help me through the day or the week or whatever. And that was a very legitimate joy that God gave you at that time. But now it's not available to me. And since it's not available to me, God, um, I know your gift of the Holy Spirit will compensate for that. Because God wants you to be strong and he wants you to have joy. So you've got to lose this, you know, because you have this void in your life, you've got to fill it up with the Spirit. And you've got to turn to our Lord. And I think every married couple, if you're not praying the rosary every day, especially together, if you're not doing a little mental prayer in the morning, you know, about 20 minutes, you know, just really trying to have deep conversation with God in the morning, I think it'd be very, very difficult to use NFP and, you know, be joyful about it. So those are my yeah. my hints. Nancy, I hope that's think, helpful Nancy? for you. And uh, well, and actually, we need to go to a break here really quickly, Father. But I want to throw out the phone number again for anybody who's listening: eight 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 nine one four nine one four nine. As we're talking with Father Eric Nielsen today here about purity, about chastity, how we can live those out in our life, how we can grow in those virtues, and how they can help us grow closer to God. Maybe it's an area that you've had some success, and what has helped you to grow in purity? What has helped you to grow in chastity in your life? Maybe it's an area where you are struggling right now and you need some help, and you can call in and talk with Father Eric, 888-914-9149, and we'll be right back with more of your phone calls, more with Father Eric Nielsen right after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and I'm joined today by Father Eric Nielsen, a priest in the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin, as we're talking about purity and chastity, also taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father, one thing that I was thinking might be uh, good to mention briefly here, uh, as you and Nancy were talking right before the break, she mentioned uh, three letters, NFP, and if somebody's not familiar with that, that stands for Natural Family Planning. Um, it is a way that, well, you can Google it, you can look it up, but it's essentially a way that you don't use artificial contraception, but it is a way to postpone pregnancy if there is a serious reason that you would need to do that in a marriage. But again, uh, don't want to get too sidetracked by that. But again, if you heard those three letters, NFP, it stands for Natural Family Planning, if you're unfamiliar with it. Uh, Father, another thing that might be good to talk about here, too, is um, 
as we talk about purity, as we talk about chastity, you know, King David in the Old Testament, his great sin, quote unquote, great sin that everybody talks about is where he ended up uh, committing adultery with Bathsheba. Uh, He ends up having her husband killed. Uh, The prophet Nathan confronts David about his sin, about the killing of her husband. And David finally comes to a point of repentance. And in Psalm 51, you can read what he wrote, this beautiful psalm. And some of the most famous lines are where he says, God, create a clean heart in me, renew within me a steadfast spirit. And the reason I I bring this up is I think this is a very hopeful psalm because regardless of what the sin might be or what our past might have been, you know, David, he knows that God is merciful, that he can be restored to have that clean heart, that pure heart. And and that's something for any of us who might be saying, "Uh, you know, I feel like I'm really struggling with this. We have it even better than David. We have the sacrament of reconciliation that's always available to us. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. We want to see that even though, um, as, as I kind of scared probably everybody before, that most people are going to hell through sins of impurity, they also are easily forgiven since they are not malicious sins. They're sins of weakness, and God understands our weakness. And um, if King David can fall into adultery and, you know, be forgiven, you know, and after everything that he was given— you know, so can you and I, right? And, you know, we, there's been plenty of plenty of saints who made mistakes in, in this category. I think St. Ignatius went to confession for for two days. You know, he, he went to confession. The priest said, you know, just stop it. I've had enough. You know, come back tomorrow. Um, and obviously St. Augustine another example. So God's mercy is readily available to overcome this sin. The only thing holding us back from being a great saint, um, if we're struggling with this sin, is just our desire to overcome it. But just your, just what you have to put in place to overcome this sin in your life is going to make you a saint. And so that's why in some senses it's, it's kind of a, you know, it's a blessing to be given that temptation because it requires us to do things that are going to make us, make us holier. And um, so I would, um, let's not be afraid. Let's not get depressed or feel sorry for ourselves but really trust in God's mercy. He wants to heal us. He wants mm-hmm. to make us chaste. And, and, and if we let him, he, he will make us pure. Though your sins may be like scarlet, they'll become um, white as wool. So, um, yeah, let's, let's go to confession. But at the same time, you know, don't think that a lot of times people think, well, I just go to confession every two weeks, that's going to do it. You know, a lot of times people, you, ha- you have to open up and talk to somebody else outside the confessional. You know, you, 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 and it can be a priest, it can be a trusted friend, it can be somebody like an SA. SA really helps a lot of people, Sexaholics Anonymous. Um, and for women, a lot of women now are, uh, find themselves addicted to pornography. It's, you know, it's not men only that have, have this um, proclivity. You know, women are also addicted to it because it's just everywhere. And a lot of times, too, young people are addicted to it through really no fault of their own. You know, they... They saw it when they're nine years old in the playground and something, you know, got in them and they suddenly they couldn't say no to it. So, um, yeah, so there, there might be the need to look for help outside of just simply that interior prayer that, um, 
you know, going to confession regularly, there might be the need for some counseling or other help that's that's out there. Father, let's go back to the phones. Um, a lot of people calling in here. Mary's listening to us in Virginia. Mary, thanks for calling into the inner life. You're on the air. No, thank you, gentlemen, and hi, Father. I wanted to say, you know, my husband and I have struggled with this. We've been married about three years, but we cohabitated for the first three years of our relationship and had two children then, um, and now we're on number three and number four. Um, We went to confession. We've repented for our cohabitation and the life we lived, but sometimes I feel like he's holding onto all these memories and wishing we were back in the way we behaved when we were really living in sin, and I've reverted and really become withdrawn, um, and it's become a contention and a very big challenge for him and staying chaste. And for me, on you know the opposite spectrum, to come back and show intimacy and show affection, um, and just looking for advice with that and how to reconcile yeah, I mean, some of that, some of those things we still struggle with even even after the confessional. Yeah, you know, well, God bless you, first of all, Mary, for um, being open to life when you're living together and you know having those children, and you know people's sexual dynamic changes, and we have to recognize that. I would say just in what you say, I mean, I, I don't know, but just classically probably what's happening is that as you have children and as you deepen your prayer life, you know, you you, you move away from that um, kind of overt um, sexual desire that's more appropriate, that, that's more a part of extramarital um, encounters, you know, the excitement of the whole thing and the interest and the novelty of the whole thing, the exotic nature of it, right? And you want to move into a, more of a marital type of experience, which is based, you know, more on the foundation of the relationship, the exclusivity of the relationship, and, you know, the warmth and the love that you feel within a relationship. You know, there are two types of, if you will, sexual activity. And if you get too attracted, if you get too enmeshed into the first one, it's hard to transfer over to the second one. And that's probably what your husband is experiencing. And so for him, you know, he's looking for, for that exotic experience. Well, that's hard to hold on to for a long period of time, especially when you've been married and have, you know, four kids. So this is going to take a lot of patience on your part. Um, I would, you know, keep praying for him. You know, obviously the closer he gets to Jesus, the easier it'll be for him, but you can't force him to do that. You can't badger him into that. He's got to discover that on his own. Um, In the meantime, you know, just for you, you want to be as, as helpful and as compliant as possible without giving into sin or how, or, or without allowing him to, um, you know, use you in, in some way that's just not appropriate. And uh, so I, I think that's just the situation that you're in right now, Mary. It's not a perfect situation. And then you're going to have to, the difficulties you can offer up an atonement um, for your, for your infidelities in the past, you know, just offer them up to God and uh, God will use it to purify your heart. And if you offer up to God without feeling sorry for yourself, um, God will use that offering as a strong prayer to more deeply convert your husband. Uh, Mary, thanks for calling in. And, you know, one of the other things that I'd, I'd like to go back to that Father Eric said earlier in the hour is if as a couple, and, and I'm, I'm guessing you're probably already doing this, but if you're not, if you're not praying together as a couple, you need to make some time for that, and that's going to help in those areas as well. Uh, Father, if a couple is listening or if there's a husband or wife out there who is saying, well, I, I want to pray with my spouse, 
We've never done that. I don't even know where to begin. Any advice on how to start praying in a marriage where maybe that hasn't existed in the past? No, just say a deck of the rosary. You can build up till you're saying the rosary. I don't know why every couple should pray a rosary every day. It just will bring so much grace into your into your relationship. It's like throwing oil in a dried up um, engine. To uh, to you know to, to pray the rosary is like changing the oil in your car. You know everything just runs smoother when you're praying the rosary every day. Um, and so if you have a spouse that doesn't want to pray the rosary, you know, just don't try to badger them into it again. Just kind of gently ask them. How to, maybe they do it once a week with you, or maybe they just do a decade. But just or it, fine. Let's just say three hard fathers together. You know, I'll say the first part, you say the second part, or let's say them slowly together. Um, just the littlest bit of prayer just makes a huge difference. Um, so that's that's right. I just start with simple vocal prayers. And the rosary is a good one. If you can just say, hey, is there anything on your heart that you'd like to pray for? You know, anything you're struggling with? And if, if you're kind of vulnerable and open up your heart a little bit, that'll give um, the permission for your spouse to open up their heart a little bit. Okay, let's pray for that now. Let's just, let's just pray a Hail Mary and our Father that um, God will answer our prayer. God wants to answer your prayers. Every married couple out there that's listening, no matter you know what your situation was before you got married or how difficult it was or what you're struggling with, God wants your marriage to work. He wants it to work for you. He wants it to work for your children. And he wants you to find joy and peace in your marriage. That's what God wants to give every single marriage, despite the, the, the circumstances that brought that marriage together. Father Eric Nielsen, uh, thank you so much for being here for the hour. We're down to our last minute. But before we wrap up, could I ask you to offer a blessing for all of our listeners today? Sure. May the blessing of God through the intercession of St. Joseph, the most chaste spouse of Mary, and Mary conceived without sin, come down upon you, uh, give you encouragement in your struggles against sin and the ability to be faithful to your life of prayer until you are home in your heavenly kingdom. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father Eric Nielsen, thank you once again for being with us. Always good to talk with you, Father. And I want to encourage you, if you missed any portion of the hour earlier as we were talking about purity and chastity today, go and find the podcast. It'll be posted here shortly at our website, RelevantRadio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. And if you go to the Relevant Radio website or the Relevant Radio app, I also want to encourage you, we have a book that Father Rocky is offering absolutely for free. Father Rocky is our CEO. He's the chairman of the board here at Relevant Radio, and he has a brand new book called The Memorari Moment that's available. Uh, It doesn't cost you a thing. It's absolutely free shipping. Um, All you need to do is just sign up, and we'll be happy to send that to you as our way of saying thank you for being a part of the Relevant Radio family. And it's uh, also, I mean, we're coming up on summertime, so great spiritual reading for the summer months ahead here. Again, you can just click on the button. You'll see it there at relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. And of course, stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up next, followed by The Faith Explained. And want to say thank you to Nick Sentovich and Thomas Engesser for their help in producing the program today. Hope you have a blessed rest of your afternoon.